Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and I am once again joined by PFF's lead fantasy analyst, the one and only Nathan Yonke. Nate, how are you doing after another wild week in the NFL? Good. Had a nice long day yesterday of four straight games in a row, so 14 games total. Going to be the last game that last day that we have 14 games in the same day for at least a little while, but there's apparently... In about a month from now, a week where there are no bye weeks for whatever reason. So we will have 14 games on that Sunday. But outside of that, we start having bye weeks next week. Games will start getting a little more spread out after that point. So uh, we had plenty of fun games to talk about, though. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was another fun week. But yeah, it'll be nice to get some bye weeks in there, get a little bit of a, a breather um, from all these games. And, and yeah, for you doing all the recaps as well. So hopefully that helps. And yeah, we got some uh, more takeaways that we'll cover again today. We're not going to go like game by game because a lot of the stuff, you know, not a lot of the usage changed significantly for a lot of these teams. But we're going to stick to our, our 10 takeaways um, from this past week's slate of games, or at least from the Sunday slate of games. So we got plenty of talk to talk about, but uh, before we get into it, I do want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, uh, Fabric by Gerber Life. Fall is all about the back to school and back to routine checklist. And the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash or meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company. Not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, let's get it going here with the top takeaways from week four and start with the running back position, um, kind of a sequel to last week's top name of interest, uh, the Miami Dolphins rookie running back, David Devin Achan, uh, who followed up his 200 plus yard for touchdown game with eight carries for 101 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, also adding three receptions for 19 receiving yards. So Nate, we talked about him last week in depth but now another excellent week of production so what did the usage look like for HN this week to get us talking about him again uh it was pretty promising he saw he was the lead back for them overall even though Mostert was the starter but wouldn't be surprised if we continue to see Mostert start just because he's the veteran but uh HN saw the majority of the early down snaps uh they really split time and third downs uh, saw some time in two minute drill and even saw some short yarded uh, snaps which uh, any short yarded situations are good for him considering his size um, it was good to see him perform as well as he did again averaging over 10 yards per carry yet again and last week part of it was uh, Denver's defense just wasn't doing that good since Mostert had a really good game last week but Mostert uh, didn't do as good in this game 
Um, it was also something where the game kind of evolved and HN started to see more and more snaps um, pretty well split in the first half. But then it was really the second half and especially the fourth quarter where they relied heavily on HN. Um, it was also noteworthy in this game that uh, Salvin Ahmed, who was injured uh, for last week's game, so he was inactive. Uh, he was the backup to start the season, but he was back for this game. Only saw a couple snaps on third downs, and they all occurred in the fourth quarter. They were all pretty ridiculous, like third and 17-plus yards to go, fourth and 17-plus yards. Some of them were over 20 yards to go needed for a first down, so... I um, wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't see that much playing time going forward. So that was one obstacle for HN that we had that's no longer in the way. Um, so fairly confident that we can start HN going forward. The only obstacle left is Jeff Wilson is eligible to return from injured reserve this week. Um, he ended last season as Miami's starter, or at least was seeing more playing time than Raheem Mostert late last season. So I would expect him to get at least a little bit involved. Um, I don't think Mostert will completely go away even after this bad game because he had been playing pretty well over the first three games of the season. So um, ideally, this continues where Achan is seeing a slight majority of offensive snaps and in that playing very well. So happy to put him in starting lineups going forward. I know I've had him on my bench so far this season, but definitely excited to give him a chance this upcoming week. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people are, are excited about him now. I mean, pretty much everyone used their waiver wire claims on him last week. I think his roster roster ship on ESPN when we talked about him during the waiver episode last week was around 15%. It's now up over 80%. So um, definitely possible that not all 80 plus percent of those people started him this week, understanding that he was still working behind behind Raheem Mostert and, and a big chunk of his production last week came when the game was kind of out of hand. But yeah, I'm with you going forward. Uh, I think he's going to be tough to sit now showing this level of like blow up games at, on, on back to back weeks in that offense. And now knowing that he's kind of maybe potentially pulling ahead of Raheem Mostert, who who did have two fumbles in this game. Like you said, it wasn't the best game for him. He lost one of those fumbles. So that could play a part in that shift as well. But we'll see what happens when Jeff Wilson comes back as well and see if uh, if that changes anything. But um let's stay in this game, this Buffalo Miami game uh, and move to the Bills side of things where James Cook um, added 48 receiving yards, 29 rushing yards, but he also added a goal line touchdown run. What um, Nate is James Cook taking over the goal line work now? Uh, and can we get excited about his usage going forward? I'm not sure he will completely take it over. I was on Twitter at that time while he got the goal line work and was excited along with, I have tweet deck open, have different columns, one specifically for fantasy and specifically that fantasy column was full of people getting excited for those goal line touches and that goal line touchdown. But after the game, looking at some of the usage, it was a little concerning because he wasn't getting the same amount of use on passing downs as he typically saw. Uh, it seemed like Latavius Murray was kind of taking over as the third down back for Buffalo, which was pretty surprising. Um, Damian Harris saw a decent amount of work. A lot of it happened in the fourth quarter. So not too concerned about Damian Harris getting some of that third down work as well, but um, it was interesting to see this kind of shift in how Buffalo is using their running backs. Now all three of them are seeing pretty significant playing time. So I think it, while it was exciting to see cook score a touchdown finally, but I don't know if this kind of usage is going to be sustainable of, I think cook can see double digit carries in most games going forward, but I don't see him having much 
bigger games than that. So he has to stay efficient and at least catch a few passes in order to stay fantasy relevant. But we've seen his target numbers go down each week. We've seen his receiving yards go down each week. And it's pretty clear that it's going to continue to happen after he's not playing on third downs. Yeah, I, I, I was definitely one of those people excited to see the goal line work. I don't tweet a lot of that excitement, but I definitely was getting excited on my couch um, watching that because, I mean, I, I, somebody that has a decent amount of James Cook this season, it's nice to get those touches. But, I mean, it was a sweat getting him across that goal line, too. I, I didn't know they had to review it as well, and it was super close. But it was at least a you know a good sign to see them go to him back-to-back times in those goal-to-go situations. And... Yeah, like you said, hopefully it sticks because it could potentially make up for a lot of those lost snaps on passing downs, especially on a team that passes a lot, but also ends up in scoring position a lot, right? But like you said, there is um, some other backs to be concerned about there in key situations. So another thing to kind of monitor going forward, but at least a somewhat of a positive there for James Cook. Um All right. As fun as this Miami Buffalo game was, maybe an even better game from yesterday. The Philadelphia Eagles defeat their NFC East rival Washington Commanders in overtime to move to 4-0 on the year. Uh, Sticking with the running backs where DeAndre Swift led all running backs in this game in rushing yards with 56. He led all running, running backs in this game in receiving yards with 23. So Nate, what did you see in this one among the Eagles backfield uh, to catch your eye? Uh, so this game started similar to how last game went. It was DeAndre Swift in the first quarter, kind of gained well in the second quarter, Swift in the third, gained well in the fourth. So we saw first half fairly similar. Uh, the Eagles were mostly having a few shorter or a few long drives. So Swift got the first two drives, even though the second drive bled into that second quarter a little bit, but Gainwell then took over on the third drive, played the rest of the entire rest of the second quarter. It was even uh, pretty they were stronger splits than they were last week where last week it was someone seeing the clear majority of work in the, in their quarter or on those drives. In this case, it was pretty clear that they were taking every snap. Um, Then once we got to the third quarter, it started similarly with Swift starting the first drive, but then Gainwell took over for two drives and then Swift took over again for the last three drives of the game. So they wanted to have Swift as their closer and played into overtime as well. So, Um, We started to see this be a little bit different than the previous week, and I wouldn't be surprised to see this evolve even further. Um, I still think it will be a rotation by drive rather than a rotation by situation, but we could start seeing Swift play more drives than he was before, Gainwell playing fewer drives than he was before. Um, Boston Scott was active for this game, unlike last week. uh, He did not see any offensive snaps. Uh, Rashad Penny was back to being inactive, so fine dropping Penny in most leagues at this point. Um, so going forward, I'm probably, uh, more happy to start Swift than I was before. Now that I'm a little bit more confident that this usage will continue as long as he's efficient and staying healthy, uh, gain well, I think it's worth keeping him on your fantasy rosters just because he might not see that standalone value going forward, but he's still, um, behind one of the best offensive lines in the league and behind, uh, one of the running backs who have had the biggest injury history of the past couple seasons so probably a little bit more likely that swift gets injured than most other starting running backs in the league so out of all the handcuffs in the league gainwell's probably near the top of the list of handcuffs so that's primarily why i'm willing to keep him on my roster even if he's not seeing as much work as he saw in week one 
Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, like, it, it's weird, right? Like, the snaps are there for him for for Gainwell, but it, he seems to be like almost like a like a figurehead when when he's on the field, right? He seems like he has some value when he's out there just being on the field at those key moments. But the Eagles' offense isn't really utilizing him when he's on the field or giving him the touches. So harder to get excited for a guy with with you know without getting those touches, even though he is getting a decent amount of snaps. So I'm not overly concerned with, with Gainwell if I'm a DeAndre Swift manager, basically, right? Because it seems like they want to get Swift more involved, even if they're not using him in, you know, the ideal snap shares or anything like that. But um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Gainwell still is the guy to, to kind of manage, to own as, as a handcuff, right? So um, I think, I, yeah, I at least like the usage there for, for DeAndre Swift going forward. Um, but we got a few more running back situations to discuss, um, but I do have to give a quick shout out to one of our sponsors over at DraftKings. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Get in on the app NFL action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code PFF to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook. With code PFF, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877 877- Hope NY or text Hope NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, cdkng.co slash football for eligibility terms uh, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right, back to the running backs, and let's head to Chicago, where it looked good for them for a decent chunk of this game, Justin Fields included, um, and oh man, Bears end up blowing it against the Broncos, but instead of wallowing in the misery of Chicago football, we'll try to find some positives, and Khalil Herbert managers definitely felt the power of positivity this weekend, as he goes for 103 rushing yards, adds four receptions for 19 yards and a touchdown as a receiver, so Nate, we've been talking about Roshan Johnson, kind on the upswing but considering the herbert production this week i have a feeling that didn't continue for roshan in week four uh yeah like you said herbert had a huge game in this one it was interesting in that there were reports before the game that roshan johnson would start to get more involved and it seemed like this past week more than other previous weeks there were a lot of reports of things that were going to happen this week that didn't end up happening including a number of uh, conflicting reports about which quarterbacks would start but that aside <laughs> um, we did see herbert uh, see a clear majority of snaps in this game especially on third downs which was exciting to see considering johnson had played at least 50 percent of snaps on third downs in every game so far this season uh, the Bears started things the same way that they have been for a couple of years now. It was Cleela Herbert on the first two drives, then Roshan Johnson on the third drive. Um, in past years, it had been Montgomery on the first two drives, Johnson or Herbert on the third drive. So Chicago continuing with that trend and then kind of going with the hot hand from there. And in this case, it was Herbert who uh, was playing better in this game. So he continued to see that work. Um, he performed better of her. Yeah. Johnson ran only a couple of times. He wasn't nearly as efficient. So in a lot of these games, we had seen Herbert and Johnson be pretty similar in how efficient they were, but this was one where Herbert was clearly uh, performing better. Um, I think this is a case where I'm probably 
a little bit happier to start Herbert going forward, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Chicago just goes back to the same thing that they've been doing. Herbert plays two drives, Johnson plays the third one, and if Johnson's playing well, I wouldn't be surprised to see this completely shift in another game or it just kind of being the same thing every week where we see them start the same way and then just go with whatever's uh, happened to be doing better in that game. So might be a little bit hard to predict which running back ends up having the better game, but Herbert, at least for the moment, appears to remain the clear starter in Chicago. I definitely still want Johnson on the roster just in case things change over the course of the season, just since it's good to have rookie players in general who are seeing significant playing time in September and early October because they could blow up later in the year. So having those kind of high upside players on the bench Definitely a good thing, but Herbert at least could be a starter, especially depending on the opponent he's playing each week. Gotcha. Yeah, so maybe not quite Herbie fully loaded, but like Herbie maybe three quarters loaded or something like that. Um, But (laughs) uh, moving on uh, to the Minnesota Vikings who pick up their first win of the season. Um, And Alexander Madison puts up 95 rushing yards, was efficient with his touches against the Panthers, but uh, it was another running back for the Vikes that we'll focus on. Cam Akers makes his Minnesota debut, averaged eight yards per carry, which was just slightly higher than his 1.3 average in his one previous game uh, this year with the Rammers. Nate, how involved was Akers in his uh, mini debut? Uh, He got a little bit involved over the course of the game. This was another one where there were reports that Akers uh, would see some starter snaps and they would go with the hot hand, but they didn't really give him an opportunity to get the hot hand because Madison took every snap in the first quarter. Uh, Cam Akers looked fine when he was given an opportunity, but Madison definitely had a decent game in this one. Uh, He only played 68.8% of Minnesota's offensive snaps, which is a season low for him. But if this kind of usage continues, uh, that's still definitely good enough to be considered among the fantasy starters. Um, Akers didn't really play in passing situations, which isn't surprising considering uh, that's exactly how he was used in Los Angeles as well. So even if Akers starts to see a little bit more work on early downs, Madison will definitely have a role in this offense going forward because he will, at a minimum, be the passing down back. But based on how things went in this game, I wouldn't be surprised if Madison also continues to see a majority of work on early downs and just doesn't see quite as much playing time as he was seeing earlier in the season. Yeah, good notes there. Um, yeah, definitely something to move monitor kind of going forward, especially with the hot hand talk, like you said. Um, we'll see if that happens. But I, I'm, I'm still fairly confident starting Madison in a lot of the, the spots where I have him, especially in like plus matchups like this one. But there could definitely be times when he's on benches if Akers' role continues to grow and, and in more difficult matchups as we get later in the year here as well. But Uh, That's it for the running backs today. So let's move to the wide receivers and look at last night's game a bit, starting with the enigmatic Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver core. We saw this group go from a seven-man rotation a couple weeks ago to a five-man rotation last week, which was nice progress and something to be optimistic about. So Nate, did these baby steps in creating something to be optimistic for for fantasy managers continue this week for the Chiefs wide receivers? Um, If anything, it got more complicated. It's still a five-man rotation, but it is a very heavy five-man rotation. I tweeted out at halftime how things looked, and basically four of the five wide receivers were playing just over 50% of snaps and all playing just under percent of 
uh, route participation. So running a route on less than 50% of the plays that change a little bit over the course of the second half. We saw Watson, Moore, and Bodes Scantling uh, start to pull away a little bit. And that's basically how it's been all season with Watson, Moore, and Bodes Scantling. But they have by far the lowest uh, target rates of the wide receivers on this team, all of them under 17% on the season. So basically reaching a point where you can't really trust any of them Moore was held without a catch for the second time this season. Although he did have two carries, uh, we have seen Rasheed Rice and Kadarius Tony see much higher target shares this season. Um, they were the two top wide receivers on the team, but they just combined for five receptions for 54 yards, which if one of them did that. That might be noteworthy, but having both of them combined for that, not that great. Um, if you look at Kadarius Tony's usage, throughout his time in Kansas City, even going back to last year, we really haven't seen him have a game where he's playing significant snaps. So while they've talked about him seeing an increase at times, uh, it's been a couple weeks now since he returned from injury, and we still haven't really seen that yet. So starting to get a little less optimistic that Tony ends up at any point reaching 50% of offensive snaps for Kansas City. It seems like this is his role for him, in which case you can't really ever trust him in fantasy football. So that really just leaves Rasheed Rice as the one wide receiver to potentially get optimistic about. But he's still fourth on the team in routes run among the wide receivers. Um, he saw a decrease in percentage of offensive snaps this past week. Um, it's really him and Sky Moore who are pre predominantly playing in the slot. So Kansas City would more or less have to really give up on Sky Moore in order for Rasheed Rice to see a significant increase in playing time at this point. So uh reached the point where I'm probably not wanting any of the Kansas City wide receivers on the roster. I know we, for the past two years now, have been trying to find who's going to be a re replacement for Tyreek Hill, and it feels like we're even further away from figuring that out now compared to where we've been at any point over the past two years. So if you have more on your roster, I'm probably fine letting him go at this point. Um, it's fine if you want to continue holding out hope for more or Rice or Tony, but it doesn't look like any of them are showing much sign of promise, at least at this point in the season. Yeah, it's it, it's super frustrating, right? Like I, I think like Rashi Rice, like you said, is probably the one to be most optimistic about, at least the one that I'm most optimistic about. But I mean, 47% route participation this past week, just not worth trusting yet. But if you look like at his target rates and everything too, like there's a clear kind of connection there that Mahomes wants to get him the ball, right? So 23.5% target rate this past week. He had five targets, three catches, 32 yards, but he also had a 33.3% target rate in each week's two and three, 41.7 in week one. Like Mahomes wants to throw him the ball when he's out there. They're just not putting him out there enough. Um, but you have to hope that changes at some point. It doesn't feel like it just given their offensive scheme. Um, but yeah, it, it just, it's obvious that, that the guy that Mahomes is looking for the most when he's on the field, not named Travis Kelsey seems to be Rasheed Rice. So I'm, I'm holding on to like some semblance of hope there, I guess that when slash if he gets a larger snap share, he'll be someone that we can maybe plug into lineups consistently. But uh, this, this, this rotation is, is wild. It, it, it's too hard to trust, like you said. So in more shallower leagues, there's no Chiefs wide receiver that I'm holding on to at this point. 
Um, I'd say it's worth noting, like comparing it to a situation like Los Angeles, where we saw Mike Williams get injured. Josh Palmer became an every down wide receiver. Quinton Johnson became wide receiver in three wide receiver set. So all it took was an injury for two players to see a significant increase in playing time. If something like Marquez Valdez-Scantling suffered an injury, if Justin Watson suffered an injury, I would think it would just be five different wide receivers seeing a slight increase rather than one or two seeing a significant increase. So that's also something that makes this situation unique compared to most other wide receiver rotations in the NFL in that a lot of cases it takes an injury and then boom, all of a sudden someone becomes a fantasy starter. But I think it would take more than that for any of these players to be a fantasy starter yeah definitely starting to feel that way um moving to the other team in this sunday night football game the new york jets where zach wilson actually had one of his better performances he goes 28 for 39 245 yards two touchdowns no interceptions and somehow a better passer rating than patrick mahomes crazy times indeed but this helped garrett wilson get 14 targets we saw an, an alan lazard touchdown but what else stood out about this Jets wide receiver coordinate? So this was an interesting one in that Xavier Gibson, the undrafted rookie from Stephen F. Austin, um, started to see more playing time with the offense. Uh, I first found that interesting because he overpassed Nicole Hardman, who Hardman was playing in a revenge game last night, playing against his former Kansas City Chiefs. And Gibson only had played one snap with the offense so far this season. So he saw about 11 offensive snaps. Uh, they all came in 11 personnel coming at the expense of Randall Cobb. So Cobb was someone who was surprisingly seeing a lot of playing time. Thought maybe once Aaron Rodgers went down for the season that Cobb might see less playing time. With Hardman seeing more playing time. But if anything, Cobb saw more playing time in week three. It was his most amount of playing time. Uh, more than he saw in any game in 2022 with the Packers. But uh, this decreased Cobb's playing time, and Gibson split some of his time on the outside compared to playing in the slot. So what this really did was allowed Gibson to line up out wide at times, which allowed Wilson to move to the slot, which uh, slot, his slot percentage has increased every week so far this season. Um, looking at both last year and this year, uh, he hasn't really performed as well in the slot. His PFF grades are higher when he lines up out wide compared to the slot. But the big difference is his target share has been much higher so far this season while lined up in the slot over 40% this season with a lot of that coming in this game. So that's a lot of what helped him to 14 targets and nine receptions is he was playing in that position more often. So even if he's not playing as well there, if Zach Wilson is more comfortable throwing to the slot, then that's a good thing for Wilson that this is happening, even though Gibson probably won't see be fantasy relevant at any point this season. But it'll be interesting to see if Gibson starts playing even more, Cobb playing even less, and how much Wilson plays in the slot going forward, because that could help him keep his fantasy value even if Aaron Rodgers, even though Aaron Rodgers is out for the rest of the season. Yeah, I guess it's, um, yeah, just trying to be optimistic about um, Zach Wilson and uh, going forward. And, and you know, maybe there's potential here that, there you know, he's not as bad as, as what he's been. We, we do have a pretty 
large enough sample size of, of him, you know, not being as good as he was last night. So I'm slightly pessimistic, I guess. Um, but they do face the Broncos next week, the pr- pretty much the worst defense uh, in the NFL, but then they get the week, the Eagles after that. So um, good notes there on the Jets wide receivers. And yeah, if we can get some positive play out of Zach Wilson, then there could be some potential there. Um, all right. One more ad break before we move on to the final t- takeaways. Um, and that is our next partner, which is AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. Uh, I drink AG1 every day. Uh, I, I certainly need it because, look, I, I, if I'm being totally honest here, I don't necessarily have the healthiest possible diet uh, that I stick to and, and, quite frankly, could definitely stand to be healthier in general. So AG1 is essentially exactly what I was looking for, is something quick, easy that I could build into my diet and I don't have to worry about taking so many supplements and pills and all that fun stuff. I wanted a single solution that it supports my entire body and covers my nutritional basis every day. I wanted better gut health, a boost in energy, immune system support, and wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I throw my AG1 into a fruit smoothie every morning and start the day off with everything I need for my body, like I'm giving my body the nutrition it craves. So again, as someone who can't be alone in wanting to improve their health and has a difficult time doing so when it comes to overall diet, adding AG1 to my day has been a game changer in that regard as I get high 75 high quality ingredients that give me my daily uh, nutrients and support energy, focus, strength, clarity. Uh, I just mix one small scoop with my smoothie, drink it first thing each morning, boom, done. It's as simple as that. Another added bonus is that it costs less than $3 a day, which is pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with high quality sourced ingredients, win-win. So if a comprehensive uh, solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free supplement supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash PFF. That's drinkag1.com slash PFF. Check it out now. All right. We did have one more wide receiver worth discussing here because he was traded for an early second round pick just a season ago uh, and then got the healthy scratch treatment this week. Nate, what is going on with Chase Claypool in Chicago? Uh, so it sounds like Claypool has probably played his last down with the Bears um, in his career. He voiced his frustration earlier this week of how he wasn't being utilized as well as he would like, um, which um, it sounds like they've had problems in the past as well with his effort. So it's not we aren't behind the scenes. We don't know exactly what all has happened, but it's reached a point where Chicago is ready to move on from Claypool. He was inactive this past week. Um, and they said earlier today that he wasn't going to be with the team. And there were also reports that they are going to try trading him ideally for fifth or sixth round pick. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's traded for a conditional seventh round pick at some point of time. Uh, there were also reports that the Carolina Panthers are looking for a wide receiver. So a chance that that could be the de- destination, but we'll see from there. Um, so with him being inactive, Uh, Equanimous St. Brown took over as the third wide receiver. Um, He was one of the starters last year up until the end of the season where he started, where he had a concussion and also started to see a slight decrease in playing time. Um, He was not active over the first three games since he really doesn't get involved in special teams. So they went with some of the other wide receivers who have a bigger role on special teams to be active over St. Brown. So St. Brown leapfrogged them. Um, Last season, he had among the lowest uh, target rates among wide receivers at 13.6% over the course of the entire season. So um, I don't see St. Brown being someone that you want to pick up for fantasy, even though it looks like he could be a starter over the course of the rest of the season. 
if anything, this should mean uh, more touches for the other Chicago skill players, for the running backs, for DJ Moore, for Darnell Mooney. So if anything, this might be a good thing for some of the other players in Chicago's offense going forward. So it'll be interesting to see where Claypool ends up, but that's how things are now looking in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Kind of hate to see it there for uh, Mapletron. Fellow Canadians are not helping his chances of making the uh, the Team Canada national team that I've been assembling. But uh, we'll see if maybe he returns to relevance at some point, um, maybe on a different team. Because he, he did have a promising rookie year, but that does seem like a very long time ago at this point. Um, all right, we got a couple of tight ends worth discussing. And let's start with the big one here. And that is the first tight end drafted in 2023, Dalton Kincaid. Uh, through the first three weeks, we've seen a bit more Dawson Knox than, than the rookie. But maybe that changed this week because Kincaid caught four or five targets for 27 yards in this one. Uh, how are things looking among the Bills tight ends this week? It was starting to look a little more promising for Kincaid. Uh, They weren't running quite as much two tight end sets in this game since, at least for the start of the game, it was a bit more competitive, so a bit more 11 personnel. So it wasn't quite as much playing time in general for the tight ends, but we did see Kincaid have more offensive snaps than Dawson Knox, which was really good to see. Um, Part of that was 12 personnel. Kincaid took every snap in that personnel grouping where Quinton Morris took over for Knox for a couple of those snaps. But then it was really 11 personnel where they were pretty close to even where we had seen Knox see more playing time than Kincaid in past weeks. Uh, We continue to see the trend where if Kincaid's on the field, they're much more likely to pass the ball versus if Knox is on the field, they're more likely to run the ball. If anything, that was more extreme in this game. Um, 10 of Kincaid's 11 snaps out of 11 personnel were passes compared to four of 12 for Knox. So uh, Kincaid, like you said, caught those four passes, gained 27 yards, which isn't a huge performance, but it's worth uh, contextualizing that compared to past rookies over the first four weeks of the season. If you look over the past decade, over the first four weeks of each of those 10 seasons, uh, Kincaid is among the top five tight ends in terms of how many receptions he has over that time. I think we would be celebrating him a bit more at this point of the season if it wasn't for Sam Laporta, who has 22 receptions in this time, which definitely leads that group by a decent march. And even Luke Musgrave, after uh, suffering a concussion on Thursday night football, missing over half of that football game, he is also in the top five. So this has been an excellent year so far for rookie tight ends. Uh, Kyle Pitts and Evan Ingram are the other two in the top five over the past decade, for those curious. But Um, So this was a positive step for Kincaid. It's still not quite at the point where we're happy to start him every single week, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, next week or in other games where the Bills are able to have a little bit more of a lead that Kincaid starts to see an even higher percentage of offensive snaps than he's seen in past weeks. Yeah, it'll be nice, right? Because we we obviously know that we knew coming into the year that Dawson Knox was potentially going to be kind of a, a barrier to Kincaid's, you know, just to being able to start him and trust him every single week. But he's definitely seen a higher target rate than um, Dawson Knox pretty much every single week. Actually, it has been every single week, but his 17.4% target rate this week was 10% higher, over 10% higher than Knox, which was kind of their biggest discrepancy between the two this year as well. So uh, I think seeing that, you know, Kincaid Kade has had that higher target per route run rate than Knox in every game this year. It hasn't really been greater than like 5%, usually pretty close. So with those snaps now kind of increasing for Kincaid, 
separating himself a little bit more from Knox and targets as well, which is kind of what we're hoping for to kind of continue the rest of the year so that we can trust him in lineups. Um, it is, is nice to see here. Um, okay. One more tight end situation, uh, heading down to Texas where Dalton Schultz caught three passes for 42 yards and a touchdown, uh, and not a touchdown from CJ Stroud, but from Devin Singletary, the second running back touchdown pass of the day, by the way. So Nate, Schultz managers who started him were no doubt happy to see the touchdown, but is this production something we can trust going forward? I would say probably not at this point. He played just under 50% of offensive snaps in this game. He's seen his offensive snap percentage decrease in every week, which I think has less to do with Schultz and more to do with the Texans offense playing better. Um, the Texans basically haven't used a lot of 12 personnel so far this season. It's either been 11 personnel or 21 personnel, which their fullback is Andrew Beck, who is kind of a hybrid fullback slash tight end and counting him for a fullback for personnel usage. So a lot of Andrew Beck in this game. Um, so this was something we were seeing in the preseason as well, where if it was more of a run formation or run personnel grouping, Schultz more likely than not was not on the field. And that's continued to be true throughout the regular season. Um, has not seen all that many snaps in 21 personnel, just 11 of 78 possible snaps so far this season. So he's basically seeing all of his work in 11 personnel. Um, the Texans have been playing better as a team in general these past few weeks. I have had two pretty decisive victories, which have led his playing time to decrease. Uh, he's been playing 69% of snaps when the Texans are playing from behind, which they were doing a lot early in the season. And that's been down to 54% when they have a lead, which they've been doing a lot over the past two weeks. So if the Texans offense continues to play well, which if anything, we can expect them to start playing even better since they have three starting offensive linemen who could be back as soon as this week. I'm not fully up to date on all of their injuries, but I know two of them were on injured reserve with the thought that they'd be able to return sooner rather than later. And this is the week that they're eligible to return. Plus Lermie Tensel, who's been inactive the past two weeks. So could see the Texans offense playing even better. And then also worth noting uh, Brevin Jordan, a uh, backup tight end who was drafted to be a receiving tight end a couple years ago. Uh, he's slowly but surely getting a little bit more involved in the offense. He's grading uh, fairly well so far this season. So it wouldn't be surprising to see Jordan start seeing more playing time and Schultz seeing less playing time, even in 11 personnel. So Schultz is someone that if you have him on your roster, I'd probably be looking to trade him this week after this game um i think there are a decent number of other tight end options available ideally you have one of them on your roster but i don't see schultz having too many more games like this especially when his one touchdown wasn't even from his own quarterback yeah yeah not ideal and the 39 percent route participation not ideal either so yeah if you can definitely if you can get something for dalton Sch dalton schultz i would definitely be looking to do so but yeah hard to trust going forward um in lineups so that's pretty much it for, for today. Um, there's plenty else to dive into from week four, uh, which you can find on pff.com in Nate's full slate of fantasy recap. So be sure to check that out. If there's something you were hoping to hear covered today that we didn't touch on, uh, you'll no doubt find it in Nate's article. Uh, Nate, thank you to you for breaking it all down for us. I know you have lots more uh, going up on the site from last night uh, to today and tomorrow. So please remind the people what they can find from you on pff.com. 
or so I have my full recap of all 14 games from yesterday that was going up throughout the day yesterday as the games were going on. Um, have a lot more than we went over today. Typically, three or four sections per game plus a miscellaneous section that I added this year compared to previous years where I'm able to add a lot of other nuggets where I don't have a full paragraph to write about them, but it's still interesting thing to note a lot of players having career highs in different categories this past week so a lot of good things to see there um have this top 10 recap that we just went over so if you've stuck with us through this entire time probably don't need to read that but uh, have the waiver wire article that went up today definitely an interesting day for waivers and we'll be back tomorrow talking about that so should be a fun podcast tomorrow um besides that have five to start or five to keep saying five to start it's five to add five to drop five to buy low five to sell high um we'll be writing that throughout the day and that'll be going up tomorrow we'll also have rest of season rankings going up tomorrow uh then our normal rankings for this upcoming week and start set later in the week awesome yeah uh thank you again uh, everyone for listening and tuning in if you're on the youtube don't forget to like and subscri- subscribe we would greatly appreciate that uh, a huge thank you to the best data collection team in the multiverse as well the pff data collection team every single one of you spent sunday and monday morning collecting this data so that we have the best possible data points to discuss you are all superstars Thank you again to everyone for tuning in as well. We'll be back tomorrow morning, like Nate said, going over the waiver wire targets and recapping Monday Night Football. Good luck finishing out those fantasy matchups tonight. And until next time, peace out.